Hey everybody, Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. It is Thanksgiving week. We're still hoping to do two shows this week. The early one will be the one you're listening to right now. I'm recording it over the weekend, and later on, our buddy John is going to come back and we're going to do our annual holiday game design tradition of coming up with just absolutely absurd holiday-themed uh, games that will never see the light of day. <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun with that at Christmas time. We want to try to do that again. I'm sorry we didn't do one for Halloween, but I don't think we we're quite ready yet. So uh, stay tuned for that. We're trying to get people amped on social media about that. You're probably seeing those posts and uh, chime in by all means. Send us your own uh, absurd, like one, two sentence holiday game design idea. Uh, it's just a fun, creative whatever, and, and usually turns into something offensive and obscene and everything else. What we're doing tonight, what I'm doing tonight, because I'll be alone tonight, I want to tell a little bit of a personal story and use that to explain why we bought the two arcade machines that my wife and I picked out for our new basement here at the new house. They are not random by any means. They were very carefully selected, and each has a a unique story. So I want to do that. (laughs) I took one pass at this recording already, It's hard to talk about my upbringing without getting a little bit depressing. There's a lot about it that's very funny. And and I like to entertain people with that. Anyone who knows me personally on social media or on Facebook, uh, people who know me in real life, they know I I really enjoy entertaining people with my experiences because otherwise uh, my whole life has been sort of a waste and just miserable for no reason. But I, I, I want to tell this story in a way that doesn't bum you out. So, so... Keep in mind, if, if it starts to get a little mopey, um, yeah, it was hard, but it was also, I, I entertained myself, and I, I stayed positive, and I found ways to get through it, and a lot of it is the stuff that you see me do today. So, basically, I, I grew up sort of a broke kid in uh, southern Illinois, here in the Midwest, and I have a younger sister, and my parents did eventually get divorced, but they took way too long reaching that decision. So there was sort of a chaotic home situation for a long time. And then, uh, they, they did finally divorce and my, my dad moved away and it was a whole thing. But like, then we were just sort of this single mom and these two kids relying on family and, and just the, the whole gist of the thing is there just, there wasn't enough money to go around and things were pretty hard. And if that wasn't enough, my mom also had these, uh, religious convictions that were, uh, I, I would say by any standard, they're pretty extreme. She, uh, I come from a Pentecostal Christian family, and I've attended churches that um, it's the kind of stuff that now you see on YouTube because everyone's like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. These people dance and scream and, and speak in gibberish and, and, and the whole thing. And that's absolutely how I grew up. I It was as weird to me as it is to a lot of you and... Uh, even that causes a lot of weird conflict with me because they, they teach you growing up that if you like act like that isn't real, that's the only sin that God would never forgive. Like, so it's just this terrible uh, framework of just shame. <laughs> it's sort of a nightmare, really. Uh, I would never do that to my kid. Now uh, I learned so much. Like I do, I still have certain religious beliefs, but they really have nothing to do with anything that I uh, grew up being taught or uh, exposed to. So the reason I bring that up is basically we were not allowed to do normal things growing up and we weren't allowed to have friends that 
weren't part of the church circles and things were a little bit culty and it was just really not cool. And video games always provided this just vital escape for me. As a grown adult, like I've repressed a lot of stuff from my childhood. Like I, my memory about my early years is very, very spotty. Um, I, (laughs) every once in a while, I'll remember something that I hadn't thought of in 15, 20 years. And I'll, I'll tell my wife about it and she, oh my God. Yeah, that's, it's crazy. You didn't remember that until just now. And usually it's something drastic about one of my parents or something they did is all, all really terrible. But so any, any entertainment I could get, I wasn't really allowed to play sports. Like I, I couldn't, my mom wouldn't let me go trick or treating, you know, the whole thing. So it was a tough childhood and video games were very important to me, but we were still broke. So I had an Atari that I played that uh, my mom gave me. I think it was like one of my aunts or uncles. And I played the Atari until it was like 1993. It was way too late for the Atari. And I I have a serious appreciation for that system. And at that time, I got my Nintendo Entertainment System in about 93. So I think the Super Nintendo was about to come out. And so the NES price probably dropped and... uh, I I don't mean to completely bag on my mom. Like, I know she felt guilty about our situation and she couldn't, she couldn't really help the beliefs that she had, that she felt bound by the same way I did, uh, just because she was raised that way too. So she bought me a Nintendo, which she probably didn't like, but she did anyway, because it was cheap and she could afford it. And so to, to get games for this thing, I pretty much had to spend all of my energy on setting up like trades with friends and collecting little bits of allowance here and there from my mom or my grandparents and go to yard sales. Like we had to, I had to get my ass up super early all weekend, like both weekend days we would, I would load myself in the car. My grandma would be driving around to these houses and stuff and I'd be looking for Nintendo games basically. And I found them all over the place because Nintendo was everywhere at that time. So I, I would buy, sell and trade NES games. I really didn't end up with any of my original NES games as an adult because just because I had to sell them to move on to the next thing. I I thought about sort of collecting them again as an adult and it didn't really. I decided not to. Anyway, so uh, played games at friends' houses. Arcades became this just magical oasis for me. So if we were at the mall and I could swing by (laughs) here, here in my area, there was Aladdin's Castle and uh, a few people still know about those. They would just be these big, awesome arcades with the classic stuff, Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, Super Off-Road, X-Men, and all the cool Konami games and the, the cool Street Fighter games and all that stuff. I think I got to go more often than I might have because debit cards weren't around yet, so my whole family had to use cash for everything. <laughs> um, debit cards were around. They're, they came out in, like, 1990, But they didn't really, like, leak down to the banks that we used until uh, 95, 96. So that was a lot of time that somebody would hand me quarters and say, you know, get lost for a few minutes. And that kind of thing was awesome. Not not only at the mall, but at, like, Walmart or if, you know, the family's grabbing a meal at Pizza Hut or just stupid stuff like that. Walmart had the Avengers, I remember. A certain restaurant in the area had Ninja Turtles and like you you could count on these things being around town. It was just something nice and reliable. Took me out of my element for a few minutes and it was just nice. 
So arcade machines were always really cool. Meanwhile, and I'll tell the story this way because these stories intertwine. My wife, who obviously I didn't know yet, was growing up just one town over. She also, like her parents were um, much more responsible than mine. And they they sort of had their act together a lot better. They they were both very hardworking people all their lives. They still are. They, like family was important to them. But, um, you know, they, they worked full-time jobs. Um, my, my wife and her brother spent time with, um, their aunt and uncle who, uh, did a lot of babysitting and stuff. So they had a little more sense of like a, just a real big family. They had a lot of people around and, but they also didn't have a lot of money. So they, they did the best they could. And they, my, uh, my wife and her brother are much closer than me and my sister are. So they had a better relationship and they sort of entertained one another. It, it meant a lot when their parents spent money on them. And one cool thing that my wife always remembered was her dad scraped together either the money or the means to bring home this um, miniature pinball machine one day. Because he grew up loving pinball as a younger guy himself and he would play. He'd go out on the town. He told me about this recently. He said he'd go out with his friends and he'd grab a handful of change and he'd play pinball all night. And he said he was really good at it, too. So this was something they did together, him and the kids, and, and that really stuck with my wife. And that was awesome. So we we had this, sort of these parallel gaming experiences, which was a funny thing. I present both of those scenes that way because that brings me to this particular church that my mom dragged me and my sister to. I've been to many churches growing up, but this one was special. And to understand this, you have to know that a lot of Protestant Christian churches in the 90s, this was a weird trend, they would meet in buildings that were not churches at all. So they would rent a, a like a store space in a strip mall and they would have church there. In the case of this church, they rented the conference rooms of the Holiday Inn in my hometown and they would have these giant church services there. And it was the strangest thing because I know that they could have managed to build a building or rent something. And they just kept it going. We're talking about like years and years they met at this Holiday Inn in town. And it was this, the most unusual thing. But it became like part of my life. And it was probably from ages like, I don't know, 9 to 14 or something like this. Probably that long. So... So it was this like strange these pivotal years I we we went to church at the Holiday Inn. That was every Saturday morning or uh, Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and then there were a couple other nights. So that'll kind of help you picture what was going on. My wife ended up going to this church as well because she made best friends with this girl who was also like her whole that girl's whole family went to this church. So she started tagging along with her friend and she went to the, uh, like, she's a couple of years older than me, so she went to the, the teen group uh, that, that met in a different room and all this stuff. So <laughs> by doing that, she actually managed to go to this church while she was able to, like, dodge some particularly weird things that I had to sit through. So, like, my mom would keep me with her. Like, basically, my options were to go to the children's church thing, which was super awkward because I was too old for that. Or to sit out with her, but that was also weird because they did weird things. Um, what, what kind of weird things, you ask? So they they did the whole, like, dancing and screaming and, and all this stuff. But they would also have, they'd have, like, traveling evangelist speakers. And if you don't know anything about this culture, uh, that's, 
That's fine. The way this would work is like a person would sort of make a career out of going from church to church, preaching one sermon. I'm sorry for people who don't like care for religious things. It's just maybe this will round out your trivial knowledge of such matters. I don't mind whether you are or not. Uh, hopefully this story will pay off for you. But these people would make careers out of traveling from church to church, speaking for one night, really riling up like the congregation uh, I'll explain how in a moment, but then they would like, I think usually the way it works is that they would have the normal pastor of the church do this special quote collection for the person who came and spoke. And I was like, I think they also got a fee, but then like also this offering uh, and they would just go on to the next church and do, do their business. But not all of them were even considered missionaries. So they they weren't like going from there over to China to help care for the sick or something like that. They were going from like one part of Southern Illinois over across the street to the next part. So part of like riling up the congregation, like I mentioned, we're talking about they would devote large portions of the service to praying for people individually. So they would expect people to like go and form lines and stuff and and they would pray for somebody and that person would pass out. It's <laughs> the whole thing. It's so this is so awkward to talk about. This was my life, man. I, I had to watch this stuff and hope as a kid in a church service like this, you hoped that you would not get singled out because they would do stuff like that. They would go everybody in these rows or something or everyone in a certain age range, come down here and get prayed for. And like, if you didn't go, it would get weird. Like they would point at you and have people like pressure you and stuff. It was so, it was horrible. Like it was, it was, I, I hesitate to use the word devastating because as, as we all got older, we found out there are much worse things going on in, in other churches, but oh man, this was also pretty, pretty bad. So, so this is the kind of thing I was used to from this church. And I sort of made it a habit of going on these like very long bathroom trips because once you're outside the room, like you're in this pretty nice hotel, like this was just my weird life. And you'd walk around the hotel and, and, uh, kind of look at people traveling, get to, you know, jump on a plane tomorrow and leave this area. Like I would sort of like long for that, you know? So I'd wander around this hotel a little bit. And if anyone asked, I'd just, you know, my stomach hurt. I went to the bathroom or whatever. One day I got as far as like the, the hotel was big and the, the hallways were big. The corridors went on a long way. Eventually I got as far as the pool and I was, I like pools. I like being in the water and, and that kind of relaxes me. So I just wanted to like look at the pool. So I went in there and I looked off to the side and this pool, this pool area had a room with several arcade machines that had its own small like arcade and vending area. And I lost my mind because I was like, here I am <laughs> in, in this uh, church and there's this arcade I could be spending time at so for a long time i didn't really explain it to my mom i was just like yeah there, there's you know a vending area and if you got a couple of quarters i'd appreciate it and man what games rotated through there like someone took very close care of this room and they would rotate the games out on a regular basis um super off-road was a good one uh mortal Kombat was there imagine me <laughs> trying to sneak out um I, the most extreme thing i ever did at this church was I made a couple of friends who sort of got in on this with me. And one one time we knew that we couldn't get out unless we... <laughs> this is so dumb. We, uh, we knew we couldn't really get out of the room unless we went to the front and got prayed for. <laughs> this is why I'm going to hell. Uh, <laughs> we went to the front and got 
quote unquote prayed for. And we did the whole thing and we uh, fell down and we waited a minute and then we just snuck out the back and went to the arcade and played Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mortal Kombat was awesome and they would have NBA Jam machines sometime. I think, I think they had NBA Jam and later on I think they had uh, Tournament Edition which was just great. And I think a pinball machine or two came and went. This this room was like all that made me happy at that time in my life. And I know how sad that is, but this is just to illustrate why arcade machines were just like this magical, <laughs> magical thing for me. Um, man, I can't believe I told that story. So yeah, that, that got me through a tough time. And uh, I really got attached to NBA Jam during that time. Because I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Mortal Kombat. Like, it was cool. I think fighting games didn't really grab me. Uh, they still kind of don't. I, I respect the uh, the care and the design that go into them. But it's it's not a fun uh, type of gameplay for me. But I loved NBA Jam. Later on, I would play it with my friends uh, who I was allowed to hang out with. Because they lived on my street for what, for whatever difference that made. But I'd go down the hill and play with my buddy Mikey. Shout out to Mikey. He's a cool guy. I still talk to him. Um, we would play NBA Jam. We'd walk up to Blockbuster and, and do our thing. And we got to take part in the Blockbuster NBA Jam World Championships. And I played in the early rounds of those uh, <laughs> giant nationwide tournament circa, I don't know, 94, 95, something like that. Probably 94-ish. I don't know. People talk smack about how they did in those uh, NBA Jam tournaments to this day. I was there. I was living it. I didn't do that well because I did not have a Super Nintendo. I never did. I still don't. I have never owned a Super Nintendo. So I did own a Sega, but I never owned... I don't think I ever owned my own copy of NBA Jam. Well, that eventually changed. My wife and I met at that youth group at that church, that was the only good thing. And this is this is why I tell people, like, things are happening for a reason out there. I met my future wife in that youth group. We both escaped in different directions. I went off and did my thing. I really stayed in town. She ended up uh, moving away, and she went to med school and the whole thing. Like, she really did well for herself, and it was all through. Believe me, it was all through super hard work. And I picked a more modest approach, but I did fine for myself, got myself a two-year degree, started a programming career that treated me very well. And we, honestly, thanks to Facebook, of all things, when she was moving back to the area, I happened along her profile through a mutual friend, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it's you, how are you doing, you know, and, and the rest was history. We very quickly started dating, and uh, very quickly after that got married. Hashtag no regrets. I mean, like, that that has been fantastic. She is the best. We're kind of fast-forwarding through that part because that's not what this uh, story is ultimately about, even though it's, uh, the you know, the most important thing. So we started a family. We had our son. We just built our, our forever home. It's going to have to be our forever home. I, I definitely don't ever want to move again or uh, certainly build another house again. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to go ahead and die here when the time comes. Um, so anyway, we had this, this basement coming together. We were going to have more finished space than we ever had before. And we had room for just a couple of like, you know, attractions. We wanted to design it in a cool way and make it appealing. We talked about a pool table and card tables. We, we did get a small card table, like I mentioned before, but we decided that we were going to go a little nuts on like one item each. So my plan, I told her, 
was long term, I wanted to, to sort of go nuts on two items. I wanted to special order an arcade cabinet that could handle like multiple games, you know, one of the emulation station type things. I would I would order the kit, have it delivered, and we could play, you know, a bunch of the old classics on whatever this was. And then I told her like that way, if one day I ever come across like one of my old favorite legitimate uh, arcade cabinets that have like been out in the world somewhere and they have connection to that actual time, I would definitely consider buying one of those too. And then we could have like two arcade machines. That would be awesome. So she was very supportive about that. She was, yeah, order the fancy one, whatever. When we were buying furniture, I actually looked at the, um, this was a store that had some of these machines and they, they actually had some of the multi machines, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. So I passed on that and I told her, I'll, I'll custom order it. It'll be fine. So like the next day I was out and about town and in our area, there are two of those type of stores. And I went to the other one just on a whim and I walked in and the salesman sort of jumped on me right away. I said, uh, what do you, what do you have in the way of arcade cabinets? And he took me to a giant section. It looked like a Dave and Buster's in there. It was nuts. I had never seen anything like that because I've historically stayed relatively broke. And I, especially in terms of having a big living space, I really, we just never did. So I, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was like, yeah, everything's on free play. Have fun. I'll come check on you. He didn't think I was very serious. And I was probably dressed like a bum as I usually am. So I look around and there are cool pinball machines and there's like, there's even uh, one of the moving basketball hoop things, which is crazy. And I turn this corner and my jaw, I think my jaw actually dropped, which is dumb. You always hear about that, but your jaw doesn't really drop. I'm pretty sure mine did because I saw a four player authentic NBA jam cabinet and I lost my freaking mind. It was, it was powered off and I thought, I may still try to buy this thing, even if it doesn't work. Maybe I could learn how to fix it. And I went and got the guy. I'm like, dude, you got some really cool stuff in here. Just out of curiosity, does this NBA Jam machine work? And he goes, what NBA Jam machine? And so now it's turning into like a weird 90s Disney movie. <laughs> so I take him to this corner and he goes, I have no idea what, what when this got here, what this is. This is probably a weird sales gimmick. It was probably like the the, <laughs> the game is probably like, oh, we got this this morning and I'm sure it's going to go if you don't buy it right now. But to his credit, like he had me convinced that he had no idea where this thing came from. So I said, uh, if you could show me this thing working, like that's, that is really cool. Like I'm, I'm a fan of this. So he goes, yeah, I like this one too. He goes and flips a, a switch and sure enough, it pops right on and it looks good. And I noticed it's got like an HDMI screen because it flashed something about HDMI. So it had, it had been upgraded quite a bit. And uh, we'll get into that in a minute too. The thing played great, was awesome. I said, listen, obviously this has my interest. I got to go home, talk to the wife. It costs a little more than I would have liked to uh, throw down. Certainly wasn't going to do it on the spot. So I said, uh, give me your give me your card. I'll go home, talk to the wife. We might be able to do something here. This is pretty cool. She was asleep for overnights. I tried to contain my excitement all day. <laughs> and uh, she she woke up and I was like, oh, I she probably saw, yeah, she saw my Facebook post. I did post on Facebook because I snuck a picture of it. And I said, okay, now we're in trouble because I found this thing. And everyone's like, oh my God, people couldn't believe it. That You know, they're hard to find now. She wakes up. She's like, did you buy it? And I'm like, no, I didn't buy it. I wasn't going to do that without talking to you. And she goes, well, 
we better go over there and get it before somebody else does. Like she was super on board with this. She's just, she's the coolest kind of person when it comes to this stuff. She totally gets the, uh, the appeal and what it meant to me. And she knows that NBA jam specifically is like probably my number one favorite arcade machine of all time. And we go over there. We, uh, we even took our son and we walked around and, and the guy was still at work. I said, yeah, I, I brought the family. We're going to look around and play around a little bit. I'm, uh, I'm taking my wife around the corner that this thing was sitting behind. And on the way, she spotted this Metallica pinball machine. And she lost her mind. She's like, I can't believe this is here. And I I didn't know her story about the pinball machine and, and her brother and her dad and the whole thing yet. See, I'm, I'm recording this show in two parts now because if you ever build a new house, my number one advice to you is... Don't be scared of the horrifying sounds you hear. This house makes these loud, like, bang sounds in the middle of the night. I mean, it sounds like someone threw a brick at a wall, and they're, like, trying to force their way into the house, when absolutely nothing is going on. It's like the house settling and things popping and whatever, and it's just the worst, especially when you have to stay up late until your kid goes to bed so you can record. <laughs> so, if you ever build a house, there you go. I'm going to listen back. I'm sure, I'm sure the mic picked that up. So my wife is checking out Metallica Pinball. I'm checking out NBA Jam. And she turns the corner and goes, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that I got distracted. Like, let's totally pick up NBA Jam. This is the coolest. Let's put our name on it. We, um, we kind of went off to the side. And she's telling me about, you know, the story with her dad and the, the pinball machine and everything. And the pinball machine was actually more expensive than the NBA Jam machine. And as soon as I heard that story, I said, oh, well, we need to go put our name on that. So, and we did. And we bought both of them that night and it, it was another, like, it was just, it was just meant to be like, we knew it was, and we were so happy to find those things. We knew there was going to be a wait to get them delivered and set up and everything. But we, uh, we went through that night, just happy as could be with very little entertainment budget left. We pretty much blew it there. Um, <laughs> which, which would uh, turn out to be fine as we would find out. Delivery day finally came and a crew brings pinball down first and they plug it in and pinball machines are loud as hell. It was nuts. You can hear it all over the house, which is so funny, but it's, it's a blast to play. Like it is for, even for a pinball machine, like this is a good pinball machine to play. It was super cool. And we found out it's actually pretty modern. I think they just made the last one. So they were actively selling these until just like a couple of weeks ago or something. The timing was pretty funny. So this crew puts this thing together and they, they're, they're testing it out and they're adjusting the height of the legs and pinball machines are complicated like that. And they, um, they're showing me how the inside works and where the doors are and these extra stickers and crap. It all looks really cool. It looks like it's in really good shape. They showed me how to like clean the glass and all this. As they're going through a test game and they finish it up, I noticed that it says the grand champion score uh, has the initials KKK, which uh was awkward and i'm just kind of standing there like i'm a little surprised they're delivering it like this i know that it's i know it's not like a new from the factory <laughs> like they don't roll off the factory like that and it's probably been out somewhere where some some jackass put that in okay fine no one addressed that which was sort of funny i guess and they played the nba jam cabinet in front of me it worked like a charm, but I noticed they didn't open it up in front of me. 
And I didn't really make too much of it because I wouldn't really know what I was looking at if you opened up an authentic like 90s arcade machine in front of me. I wouldn't really know what's in there. I know it's a lot of wires and a lot of parts that go bad. And we just kind of knew what we were getting into with both of these things. So soon enough, they're gone. They did a great job. They're very nice. So I know we got our, our work cut out for us to uh, wipe KKK off the uh, the pinball machine. I took pictures of the, the machines and put them on Twitter. And sure enough, one of the pictures that I put up showed this. And so I had to sort of address it with the, uh, the public at large earlier than I uh, expected to because of my own carelessness. So I take the keys and I open up the door of NBA Jam. And I notice I look down and there's sort of a, a compartment in the front of the bottom of the cabinet and it's got um it's got a booklet for the screen that they put it like the upgraded screen that they put in and it it looks sort of like a normal tv booklet which i thought was a little funny but at the same time like you know these it's just a screen and i have to consider like this is just made up of like pretty standard electronic parts so and it it actually had a remote with it which i thought was bizarre so (laughs) I uh, I put that stuff aside and I'm starting to notice that like this thing is very it looks very clean and there's not as much to it as I would expect. So really I'm very happy because this thing I, you would expect to see all kinds of stuff very weird dust critters uh, maybe burns from weird parts that went bad or just anything like that you, you never know and I, I couldn't see much through the coin door but I, I saw a cool speaker system that had clearly been added after the fact and very bright light bulbs and stuff. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, my head's still swimming. Like I'm so excited that I have this thing and I'm playing games and looking around at stuff. But, um, I, I really wanted to figure out just how much, like, I was curious about the upgrades because it seemed like to make an, an authentic arcade cabinet use an HDMI screen, that seemed like kind of a big deal. And I, I I was surprised at myself that I hadn't really explored that before that point. And so I started kind of aiming my uh, my iPhone. I, I stuck my arm in there and would sort of move around, take pictures and, and, and all this stuff. And eventually I, I noticed like all the cables were meeting in this one spot. And I thought, okay, there's the board and it's apparently remarkably small. And they've sort of built... A, a wooden box like around it so I really wanted to get a look at this thing and goddamn if I didn't get my phone in just the right position and take a picture and pull it out and look at it and there was a raspberry pi in there and that's all this was this this thing had been what, what I thought at the time was they absolutely gutted this thing replaced the entire board with a raspberry pi and I thought they must be booting up a ROM in an emulator. It's got to be starting up an emulation station with RetroPie. <laughs> so at, at this point, I move the entire cabinet about 45 degrees. I use the key for the back. There's a big panel that comes off. And I put that aside and I look down in there. And sure enough, there's like almost nothing in this thing. I couldn't find any evidence of any authentic parts at all. So now I'm starting to get concerned because i thought we're getting to a point where i'm surprised they didn't disclose what was going on in this thing and and i guess it was my fault for not asking to look inside i I expected to say you know hey can i stick my head in and i would just see a big mess of wires and go okay cool so i look in this thing and i i um i reached my hand in there and got the um the sd card out 
and put it in one of the adapt those adapter cards and shoved it in my laptop. And sure enough, there's it. That's all it was. Like it was set up to boot into a ROM in, in an emulator, and there was just a script that did all of the like behind the scenes like menu-y stuff. It just skipped all that, booted straight into the NBA Jam ROM. And if you were completely unknowledgeable about this stuff, like probably 80 or 90% of their customers are, you would never have any idea that this thing wasn't like you would just think, oh, thank goodness. Like they said, they said they've got a guy that does nothing but upgrade these things. Well, okay, maybe, maybe not. But they would just think, oh, okay, great. This thing's in really good shape and works really well. Now, my problem with that, and someone else brought this up on Facebook because I detailed this all in great uh, painstaking detail on Facebook. You shut an arcade cabinet off usually just by pulling a plug or shutting off a, a breaker or whatever it is. And that is very, very bad for a Raspberry Pi. And you can corrupt an SD card very quickly that way. And I can't think of anything they would be able to do to prevent that. So not only was that a problem, I noticed that they used an older, like a Raspberry Pi 1 model uh, power supply on one of the newer Raspberry Pis, which uses a beefier power supply. So I I was like, what What was the plan in here? And everything just went to a power strip inside the machine that met the um, power cord outside the machine and plugged into the wall. So it... It was starting to seem like they just kind of cobbled this together and and some of it not really in the smartest way. So the very first thing I did was I backed up that SD card on my laptop. So and I I put it in a drawer and it was like the idea was like I want this thing backed up because now I know what I've got. I can decide what I want to do about it or if I want to talk to them about it. I don't know, but I I, I at least want this card safe so that it'll it'll work or I can flash it to another uh, SD card. But I get to thinking, yeah, I paid a lot for this thing, and no, it's not exactly what I thought. What if I could get that that multi-arcade machine, like that giant dream emulation station, and what if I could put it in an NBA Jam cabinet? Because really, if I wanted to get my own SD card, go through a little bit of process, that's what I've got here. So that's what I did. I set up a new card of my own. I went ahead and put the menus on it with RetroPie and, and all that stuff. And before the end of that day, I <laughs> I had a picture up on Facebook of my in, my standard NBA Jam cabinet running NBA Jam Tournament Edition. <laughs> and then I, I showed it playing like Asteroids and yeah, all, all kind of, uh, Ninja Turtles and all kinds of funny other stuff just as a, a proof of concept. So really what I got is my very own custom emulation uh, machine inside an NBA Jam cabinet, which ultimately I think someone just built from scratch. It's not hard. Like if you, if you look at some of the websites that do these custom cabinets, it's not difficult at all for them to um, recreate the classic artwork for the panels and and the sides. It's not a big deal at all. So actually tonight I found a website for a company in St. Louis that does this, it looks very clear to me that they build these things from scratch, and this is probably how they do it. They throw a Raspberry Pi in there. This brings up interesting legal questions for me. I am just positive they're not really allowed to do this. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's a big difference between having an old arcade board and building something that runs a ROM. I don't know of any way that you can 
legitimately pay for a license for a ROM in an emulator. I don't think that's a thing. So uh, <laughs> it, seem, it seems like this is not a sustainable business model for them. But again, I decided ultimately I wouldn't really change this for the world. I could have a machine that I know how to service, I know how to customize, that should last for, you know, as long as I want to keep it up. Or I could have a real machine that's probably already in bad shape. A part has either gone out or it's ready to go out and I won't know how to fix it. Like, at the end of the day, I kind of figured, like, this actually is exactly what I would have picked. Sure enough, when I got this thing going and put different games on it and stuff for people to look at and tamper with, everyone had a blast. Like, we've had a couple of parties and a couple of events with people coming over to the house and everybody loves it. Everyone has a favorite game they want to see run on it and and uh, people want to try different things and everyone from like my wife there's stuff my son likes to see on it both of my in-laws have games they like on there it's just been a really cool thing and sure enough when we got going on the pinball and that pinball game is so much fun my brother-in-law who is in law enforcement here in the midwest my wife and her brother are the two biggest metallica fans probably on the face of the earth they've both met the band they've both got all this uh, crazy autographed memorabilia and stuff it was it was pure destiny sure enough her brother came over and on his first night at this machine he wiped the kkk score just off the map by like 20 million points or whatever it was like he just crushed that score and we defeated hate forever (laughs) and it and you know how high scores work so technically it's just number one now but now i'm going to go wipe it out because symbolically we have defeated the kkk (laughs) and And uh, we all lived happily ever after. So this is a little bit of a Thanksgiving story, not because I'm thankful for these machines. Although I am, I smile every time I come down to the basement and look at these things. But I am thankful for a wife who gets it. I'm thankful for family who get it. Friends who get it. It, This whole thing made me realize, uh, obviously, I'm I'm very lucky and we've, we've worked really hard and had incredible opportunities and we're in a great part of life right now where we get to enjoy some of those rewards but i'm so thankful that we have people who who get sort of the magic of these things and are able to enjoy it for themselves because really i realize that's what i lacked as a kid uh there are no pictures of me playing games as a kid like my my family they hate it like i was a drug dealer like they tried to hide the fact that i just like these silly computer games And it hurt, you know, it hurt to have a hobby that, you know, I have this one way to deal with the stuff you guys are basically doing to me. And I have to be treated like I'm doing heroin under a bridge. I don't appreciate that. And you know what? It's a lot more fun that we can all enjoy these things together now. So I hope this holiday season that you guys are able to find ways that the people around you get it. Because that means a lot. We've talked about this on the show. When the people around you get it. It, it makes it possible. And if if you have people around you who don't get it, sometimes you can't be creative and you can't do the job you want to do because at the end of the day, you, you don't, you don't want to make silly games and fun stuff if the people around you think you're an idiot, you know? So having that support and that understanding from the people around me really does make all the difference and that is worth being thankful for. So I hope you guys find that. And I hope you guys appreciate that this holiday season and express that to your friends. I am really looking forward to getting John back on the show because he gets it 
you guys know he gets it. He gets you guys. And he's, a, I, I read every bit of feedback we get from you guys because we've received like one negative comment the entire time we've done this and everything else has been so awesome. People are so great. You heard me get a couple of tweets uh, from people participating in some of our posts on social media while I was recording this. Sorry, let me mute it now, now that we're 46 minutes in. But I, I read, John, the reviews and comments and stuff. We're going to read a couple on the show next time because people have said some really uh, uplifting things that we appreciate. So we're also going to do our holiday game design antics. And uh, I, I would I would bet that we uh, probably partake in some alcoholic beverages as well. Basically, I'm inviting you to enjoy the holidays with us because we're going to keep recording we missed uh, Thursday because, quite honestly, John and I both fell asleep early that night at our, our separate homes, obviously, but we were both doing parent things. We both fell asleep in the process of being parents. So uh, <laughs> we had an idea. We're saving it for this week. If you have not subscribed to the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, you can do that on the iTunes store, in the Google Play store, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're all over the place. The best place to keep up with us, as always, is CodeWriteplay.com. And uh, subscribe, leave us comments, leave us the uh, five-star reviews that keep helping us get the word out. And just tell a friend we're here and let us know what you think. And um, we're doing fun holiday stuff, but real soon we'll get back into the... Uh, everyday grind of uh, creating what we love so thank you guys so much and uh, go easy on me this was a weird personal story it was a strange experience to tell it so i hope you guys don't mind i hope you got something out of it and uh, we will be back in uh, probably just a few days with some more so thanks keep playing talk to you guys soon 